Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favorites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we will be discussing Duster's new LP, Together, Soul Glow's new album, Diaspora Problems, Material Girls Project, I-85 Mix 21-22, and the new mixtape from William Crooks, Running As Fast As I Can. You may wish to listen to the albums for yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list on our website, www.modulat.io. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at modulat underscore io. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan. Hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, until you said it just now, I didn't realize, man, we're up to 20 episodes. That's crazy. <laughs> I think we've got like tons and tons of great stuff to talk about in this episode. I know what we were saying beforehand that we had so much stuff we wanted to mention, so we've had to cut it down quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It's been a pretty ridiculous set of weeks. We're actually a week behind on this episode, so uh, uh, all of the, <laughs> the, the, the first set of albums for next week episodes have already come out, which has been... Uh, interesting trying to balance the trying to balance sort of my my idea of what's actually come out but um even then we've we've had to cut the list down yeah. massively just to just to try and fit fit things in so there's a huge number of albums like at least 10 10 to 15 albums uh, for me personally that i'm not talking about at all that were really good so um this is a really good week to go out and explore and see what has come out recently yeah no no uh I just same here i had a ton more stuff but that I've had to cut. But uh, yeah, so I mean, going into the first like shout out record for this week, uh, I wanted to mention the new album by a band called Gorillatos called Famously Alive. Uh, Gorillatos, a really fantastic, I guess, uh, neo psych band. I, I'm not really super big fan of the whole neo psych thing, but I think they're one, they're one of the only bands, to me at least, that really stand out are doing something. I guess interesting uh, in in a sense that I haven't really heard before, and actually uh, isn't just kind of super boring. That there's a lot more interesting sort of almost like punk influences coming in, and maybe like from pop music as well. And I think this new one is no different, uh, and it's got some of the their best tracks today. I absolutely really really love the the closer he than me. I think that's one of their best songs ever. Uh, so yeah, if you're into Grillatos, if you're into like slightly psyche pop music, this is this is one you shouldn't be missing out on. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is a really fun album. Um, I was really into GT Ultra when that came out, and I missed out on Twisted Crystal. So it was nice to come back to uh, to this one. Um, it's, it's just a really nice, uh, fun listen. But um, I think it's sort of. If anything, I found it maybe stagnated a little bit at parts, which is why I wasn't like as keen on it as the as the ones we picked but um i think it has some of the strongest openers uh that, that they've ever done so uh, i really really enjoyed listening to this one um my first shout out is for the album if a city is set upon a hill by current 93 uh it, it's finally out <laughs> uh, he actually finally released the album which is amazing um Current 93 is uh, David Tibet's project. It's been going uh, for about 30 years at this point. He's released a lot of really important albums um, and somehow is still releasing really great stuff to this day. This is sort of easily one of the most poetic albums you'll, you'll listen to all year. Um, and he does a really good job of uh, keeping the writing interesting throughout, as he always does. Um, 
musically it's it's sort of it's very neo folky so there's you know it sort of leans on the fact that it can be sparse at times to uh to 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 focus you on the lyrics but um i think that's a good thing i think it's I think it's doing what it needs to on this album yeah no i think this was a a really solid entry into the sort of current 93 canon i think it's i as always david tibet's writing is absolutely fantastic and that's kind of what is the appeal at least for me to to this sort of thing and yeah i i thought this was just a really uh really solid record uh and yeah i i think it's not going to be something that I don't know if you're familiar with with that sort of sphere of music and current '93's music. It's not something that's going to really like catch you off guard or anything. But if you like this kind of thing, you will like this, and it's really solid. Um, the next one I wanted to mention is a record called "Screen Time" by the artist Nrail. Uh, this was one that I found out about. I believe I think it might have been on the Destinamic Shroud Discord, uh, and. This, I mean, this is a record that feels very influenced by uh, the Death Animation Shroud record. I'll try living like this, but sort of applying that to a slightly, I guess, more direct, clubbier setting, more uh, bass music influenced. And I think it does a really fantastic job of taking uh, what uh, what James and Keith did on that album and sort of. Uh, using similar kinds of sampling techniques and uh, using some of the same samples that they did and reframing that into a slightly more uh, upbeat, danceable record. I think it's some of the sample work on this is absolutely incredible. I was, yeah, I was just really, really impressed with this because, uh, I don't know, I've never real. I've had very, very few records that have a been able to replicate something like I'll try living like this. So, I mean, to be able to do that and keep it interesting uh, really surprised me. And I, yeah, I've got a lot out of this record. I, I thought it was really, really enjoyable. Awesome. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this one, um, but obviously I'll try living like this was one of my favorites of last year. So uh, we'll definitely have to check this out. I think it'd be interesting to see whether it ends up coming across as derivative. It sounds like it doesn't, but um, it's it's probably quite an easy trap to fall into, especially when you're like resampling uh <laughs> the, the you know the exact same things that, that yeah exactly that yeah. shroud one was so um but yeah i'll definitely check that out that looks that looks really cool um my second shout out is for uh the new blind girls album um who are a, a screamo slash emo violence band from australia talked about them on the last episode um new album is called the weight of everything it is just full-on aggression emo violence music uh there's there's not not a huge amount more to say it's not necessarily pushing the boundaries especially compared to uh residue which was their first album um but it's just really great emo violence you can't you can't really go wrong yeah no for sure i mean i i really enjoyed that record as well and I, yeah I, I kind of felt like one of those ones where i really really enjoyed it but i didn't have too much to say outside of the fact that it was just like really really fantastic uh, like screamo emo violence stuff, uh, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, uh, I, I thought the production was fantastic and just really uh, had that real aggression to it that I feel like is missed in a lot of modern screamo releases. Um, so the the next record I wanted to I wanted to mention is the new album from Nod called Hex and Valley. Uh, this was uh, this is one of my favorites they've put out in a while. Actually, I thought it was. Uh, one of their most heavy records in a while, uh, which is which is what I like to hear from them. To be honest, uh, and yeah, I, I thought 
uh, the it's got a really fantastic uh, like fifteen minute track on here called Spotlight, which I thought was kind of I guess this is kind of the centerpiece of this record and what uh, what stuck out to me the most. But yeah, I just thought this was um, another really excellent release from one of the most consistent noise rock bands around, but probably one towards the, I'd say the better end of their release, recent releases. I think if you're into like psyche noise rock and just heavy stuff in general, it, you'll you'll get a lot out of this one. Yeah, for sure. Great heavy album. And uh, yeah, I fully agree that Spotlight is a, is a really great track on this. Um, almost too good, almost like sort of shine, shines a light on uh, on how good the rest of it is when that, <laughs> when that was just like absolutely insane. So uh, uh Almost yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, they're a very consistent band, but I think this is maybe not the most consistent album for me. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, sure. it was really nice. And, and also, I don't think there are many bands producing this type of music to this level, like right now. I think they're, they're one of the few. So um, yeah. it's sort of, I think there's, there's that, that, that aspect to it as well. Uh, I have got a shout out for the new album by 1-800-PAIN uh, called Their Money Is Your Money. Um, this is a, uh, a band that makes mostly industrial hip-hop, but leans into power noise and deconstructed uh, club a lot. I wasn't such a big fan of their debut, Best House on, the, on a Bad Block, but it did, um, it did attract a lot of attention, uh, which was really great because they have now released this new album, and I think it is one of the... Uh, most chaotic, noisy hip hop influenced records I have ever heard. Uh, this thing is absolutely outrageous. Uh, <laughs> everything is turned up to twelve. Um, it's just it's just incredibly noisy and uh, energetic and almost like violent at times. Um, I thought this was really really great. I thought like compared to compared to the last record they did, I felt like this was so much more fleshed out and. Uh, sort of validated some of the opinions I, I've heard of that, that that first record. People saying it was really great and I didn't really feel it so much was, um, now that I've heard this, I can say, yeah, actually there, there's probably more to that one than I gave it credit. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't I didn't check this out mainly because I kind of felt the same about, about Best House on a Bad Block because you did, I didn't get too much out of it. But um, I don't know, I like in concept some of what they were doing on that thing. So to hear that they've sort of gone and fleshed that out a little bit more. I guess really encouraging and uh, sort of inclines me to want to check this one out uh, for sure. Um, the next one I wanted to mention is the new record from Denzel Curry, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. Uh, Denzel Curry, uh, one of, I guess, on sort of the more mainstream side of uh, th this sort of sphere of hip hop, uh, I really loved uh, Taboo and Imperial. I thought Zoo was still pretty good uh to be honest as well so I, I was looking forward to this one i think this was a this is an interesting slight change in direction it was a bit more a bit more mature a bit more uh i guess uh i don't want to say stripped back but it was a bit more um it was a bit less aggressive than, than what you would expect from from a Zakari record i think he pulled it off pretty well uh i think there are uh some some misses on this thing but i think generally it's pretty consistently good all the way through. I don't think it's got too many like crazy, crazy standouts, but I think it's just just generally a very good Denzel Curry record that shows a bit more uh, shows a bit more diversity to his sound and it shows that he's able to be a bit more flexible in in what he's doing. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. I think there are some tracks on this that are absolutely amazing. Um, notably at the, the start and the end. Uh, and then there are a couple of tracks on there that I really didn't didn't enjoy that much. X-Wing is a good example of that. Whereas like opening yeah. with Melt Session into Walk-In is just amazing. Um, I think the production on some of the tracks, like John Wayne, I thought had some really cool production. I think Peggy did the production for that. And uh, and then like suddenly at, at the end on Zatoichi, it flips into this, like, like a much more energetic album. Whereas uh, it almost like forgets the style of the first half of it and, and and builds up the energy a little bit more and i really like that as well um although maybe it didn't i didn't feel like it fit necessarily with the rest of the album so there's definitely some really cool stuff to take away from this um i think it fits pretty well in terms of quality with the with the rest of his releases though so that's always good to hear um yeah i, I enjoyed this i think it's definitely worth definitely worth a look um yeah, i've got I, uh, another I... shout out oh sorry Oh no, I was just about to say I agree on uh, Zatoichi, but I thought it was cool to hear uh, Denzel Curry on, on a drum and bass instrumental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I think I think that's maybe why um, that took me by surprise a little bit, because there, there's sort of some element of novelty to that with his music. So uh, I guess that was like slow tie influence. I don't know how much how much he uh, he contributed to yeah. that song, but um yeah. And and I think we're we're lagging a tiny bit, so uh, I'm, I'm gonna try and uh, <laughs> try and not jump in too quickly with this. Um, so yeah. uh, um, with uh, the the next shout out I've got is called "Remember Rainbow Bridge" by the artist Creation Armor. Um, he was a, a Danish uh, ambient uh, producer. Um, I thought this was really, really interesting. This is probably one of the more surprising releases uh, from from this week that I, I found myself enjoying. I think it's got a lot of really cool moments within it. Um, it's not necessarily a genre I know that well. Like ambient trance in general, uh, it's just something I'm not super familiar with. But I thought it did a really good job of, of sort of keeping the uh, keeping me interested throughout. And, it builds a really cool atmosphere over the uh, over the eight track run, run run time. So yeah, I thought this was uh, worth a look um, if you're into that kind of music. But it might not be like earth shattering <laughs> if you uh, if you don't enjoy it. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, I'm I've heard decent amount of sort of ambient trance stuff, so that that sounds like something I, w- I would be into checking out. Uh, the next one I wanted to mention is. Uh, new album by a band called Gold, spelled G G G O L D D D, called "The Shame Should Not Be Mine." Uh, this is one that I I hadn't really heard of until they were announced as like being stage curators for one of the stages at the festival Roburn in the Netherlands, which which I'm going to next week. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, this is a band I've I've never heard of that have been given quite a big like you know. Uh, sort of stage at a festival that usually covers music that I, I'm really interested in. And I thought this was a really uh, interesting and unique take on, I guess, like Darkwave. I, I, I don't really know how to describe it. It felt very much like a, almost like an introspective pop record at its core with like metal and black gaze influence. It was, there was a lot going on in terms of the, in terms of the influences, I don't think it fully came together like 
uh, as a completely realized project on this one but i was like oh there's tons of potential here uh into making something that could be really really fantastic so uh if that sounds interesting to you i think this is a record that's really worth checking out i'm not sure it's like as i say i'm not sure it's perfectly come together yet but i i definitely see uh that this is uh sort of an artist that could go somewhere and make something really really fantastic in the future Mm, yeah it does sound really interesting and it's not necessarily a blend i think i've heard before so uh i will definitely be checking that out uh although i will say i'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the uh the cover up uh <laughs> it's like it's kind of a weird weird pick for it i feel but um <laughs> maybe maybe i'm just not down with the metal kids i don't know <laughs> um i've got uh, uh so i've got two two more shout outs um i've got one for uh, the new album Unsubscribe by the artist uh, Nishek, um, who I uh, probably uh, butchered that pronunciation, but this is the uh, the, the Polish jazz fusion band. Um, they released a really amazing self-titled album in 2016 I absolutely loved. Uh, and this is the, the first thing in six years that they've released, so it's the follow-up to that. Um, it's a really interesting jazz, jazz fusion, jazz rock album. Uh, I, that's about as much as I've got to say about this. If you like jazz and you are interested in modern jazz and seeing where um where like post-rock influenced jazz is maybe being taken at the moment i think this is a really great example of that awesome yeah no i mean i've uh i've heard a lot of actually i guess post-rock influenced jazz from i guess uh from poland i mean we covered uh uh, nonviolent communication, I believe, on one of the yeah. earlier episodes, yeah, 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 uh, and sort of other similar bands in that kind of scene. So that that sounds like something really interesting to check out. Uh, the last one I wanted to mention is the new uh, the debut record from an artist called Vitesse X called Us Ephemeral. This is one that's out on One Hundred Percent Electronica, who I think have been on a real hot streak recently of releasing really great, I guess, like more pop influence records, and this feels like a I don't know, uh, like a vapor pop take on a lot of like nine, uh, late nineties, early two thousands dance music, uh, and I thought it was just really fun. Uh, yeah, you sort of got these really, uh, yeah, just slightly cheesy but very enjoyable, like atmospheric drum based instrumentals with like a very, I guess, obviously like sort of George Clanton influenced sort of vocal style and. Uh, approach to pop music that i thought uh made for a really interesting combination that i thought worked pretty well on this thing so yeah um uh, i thought that was that was a really cool album to to sort of round up round off my my shout outs yeah that's a really nice uh really nice one to check out i i actually hadn't heard of this one at all um but uh i know 100% electronica released the caroline love glow album that we talked about last time so uh that's uh, that's already really promising. I mean, sh shout out to George Clanton in general, like just yeah, le le legendary artist. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you can't can't really go wrong there. Go go check out Slide if you haven't already. It's an amazing album. Um, okay, cool. I've got one last yeah. shout out, and it's for the new album by Machine Plus called Variations On. Um, it's a emo influence it's a, it's a shoegaze album influenced by emo we're doing another one of those um i think this is another yep. really good one um we've talked about this this particular genre and this sort of subset of artists quite a lot lately but 
I think I think this one does enough to be different that it is worth looking into if you've enjoyed any of those albums that we that we've talked about recently. So like uh, any of the, uh, the the stuff by like Asian Glow or Weather Day, etc., etc. There's there's sort of there's loads of really cool stuff in this little in this sort of this space that's going on. Um, it, I, it was doing really like it, it got built up a lot of hype online, and then I think it got too popular and got shit on by like people who uh, may have may, maybe more traditional music tastes. So um, I think it, it got a little bit of a bad rap from some people. It's definitely worth your time. If you, uh, if you see it. I also really enjoyed their last album, Samsara from 2020. Again, an album that got a decent amount of hype and it got shit on um, for no good reason. Like that album was, that album was pretty good. I think this is a better version of that. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds like a classic, like, rate your music moment of it just debuts <laughs> at like number five for the year off of like, yeah, no- yeah, yeah. Out of, off of like 90 ratings. And then suddenly, yeah, exactly. People who only listen to Pink Floyd are like, "This is the worst thing I've ever heard." It's, it's like <laughs> Samsara was a was a first of January release, so yeah, right, right, yeah, that that that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I guess we want to sort of go into the the first major release for, for this episode. Yeah, for sure. So the first major release for this episode is the new album by Duster called Together. Um, Duster have been around for quite a while. Uh, they they really sort of made a name for themselves with their 1998 release Stratosphere, um, and then followed that up with uh, another legendary slowcore album, Contemporary Movement, in 2000. And then they they disappeared for a little while. Um, they didn't actually release anything new until uh, 2019's self-titled album, which is it has a funny looking cat on it that i really like um so the 2019 one i thought was was fantastic it was a really cool comeback a lot of comeback albums tend to be a bit naff but i, I really like this and uh and then finally they, they've they've released this new album i think it was a surprise release as well yeah. i don't think they did any any promo for it. it just sort of appeared and it is fantastic i think it is maybe my second favorite release of theirs overall um i think they're doing a lot of really cool things on this album but uh yeah, I guess I guess um, I'm sort of uh, coming at this release as a long time fan of the band. Uh, I don't know if you'd listened to them much before. Like, what, what's your kind of history with them? Yeah, so I mean, I, um, I I'm not super big into the whole, I guess, like slowcore thing. Uh, yeah. I think probably the band I have listened to the most within that that sort of sphere would probably be low and even then i think uh i probably prefer their more recent stuff to their the sort of i could live in hope era uh, of uh that was more relevant to to that sort of slow core 90s uh indie post-rock stuff uh Mm. and yeah so so i i mean i have a i have a vague recollection of listening to stratosphere as like a teenager uh and i don't remember too much about it <laughs> uh right, and then i listened yeah, yeah. to the self-title when it came out and i thought it was fine <laughs> so uh going into this i was just like yeah it's just I, I know people like this band uh and i i was pleasantly surprised i i got a i would say more of it than i was expecting considering i didn't really remember too much about much of what i what i've heard from 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 their previous releases i thought this was just like a really uh 
this is this felt like it delivered what I wanted from this kind of album pretty fantastically. Yeah, I think that's fair. I that's, it was probably uh, <laughs> I think I messaged you in the week being like, oh my god, there's a new Duster album. You're like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess I guess the main differences uh, coming to this from the last one are, I guess there's more of like. A psychedelic influence on this I, I i felt like i felt like there were elements of it where they uh were pushing the guitars more um as like sort of compared to the the self-titled one i guess that's that's kind of hard to describe um it felt like the, the the guitar tones were more fleshed out and i felt like the songwriting was a lot stronger as well um so in particular on tracks like Familiar Fields and Making Room, which I think both got music videos, um, which were, were interesting uh, at the very least. Um, I feel like the the song structures have like finally reached a point where they, they, they click for me, um, which I felt like maybe was missing from the self-titled one or, or even from Contemporary Movement, to be honest. Um, it felt like Contemporary Movement was a good album and Stratosphere, Stratosphere to me was like, this like legendary moment in lo-fi rock uh where almost like they struck gold like <laughs> they, they they hit they they found the like the perfect blend between between like tone and writing and, and fitting it all together and then they somehow like recaptured this on some of these songs yeah no i i pretty much want to echo exactly what you said for that I, I especially agree with what they're doing with the guitars and the songwriting uh and with a slightly more psychedelic influence i think um you mentioned track familiar fields that that to me had a huge felt like it had a huge influence from i guess uh like uh neo psych and space rock uh revival bands like spaceman 3 uh and there were even tracks that felt gave me sort of a reminder of stuff even heavier than that like i think the the opening track um new directions had uh a real glacial heaviness to it that reminded me a bit of um uh the bees made harmony in the line skull by earth uh in a way that i i really appreciated that sort of slightly folkier take on like heavy post-rock that makes sense uh and i think what stood out to me at least personally, is that there seemed to be a lot more influence or uh, emphasis rather on like texture and yeah, just like the general sonics of the record than what I'd heard previously from them. I think um, like the the instrumental sections on the first half of the track, Escalator, uh, it had it felt like the their songwriting allowed things to breathe a little bit more and you do sort of more interesting things with the actual sounds that they were making rather than sort of just i guess almost relying on uh, uh sort of like a slow uh build in terms of the structure to really carry what they were doing i think it felt a bit more multifaceted than some of the especially the like self-titled material I found that the the track list overall was really nicely structured, yeah. um, in ways that definitely were were um, a problem with some of their other albums. Um, it sort of it spread out the highs and lows I think nicely between sort of the the runtime so that you end up not being 
it, it definitely didn't like feel front or back loaded, which I think has been more of a problem for like albums that I've listened to this week. Um, there have been loads of albums that I've loved, but have sort of lulled at parts. Um, and I don't think this has that problem, which is really nice to see. Um, I guess if I had any criticisms, it would be that I think um, it's probably got the least impactful like high points of any of them. maybe maybe any of their albums i guess maybe so the, the not including the self-titled um but like if you maybe not you if i uh if i were to compare this to say stratosphere um i would say that it is lacking the songs that i think will just like be really really hard hitting from those ones like re reads to hell uh, Read to Hillsborough or Gold Dust or Earth Moon Transit or Heading for the Door on Stratosphere, I think are like such incredible high points of that album that they really stick in your mind. Whereas I think as much as I love Familiar Fields and Making Room, I feel like they're just not on not not quite on the same level of those songs. Yeah, no for sure. I I I I definitely feel that in the sense that um there weren't there aren't tracks that really uh, outside of what I mentioned, because I thought they were interesting, there weren't really stuff that stuck in my head. Like you know, there aren't. It isn't a sense where I think of this album and I think of like a particular sort of instrumental section or whatever, or a particular moment on a on a song. Uh, but I don't know. I I for an album like this, I don't think it needs that as much as some other albums. Uh, but mm. yeah, I definitely do sort of appreciate that maybe there aren't so many like super super standout points but again i think uh at least personally i feel like um when i'm listening to this kind of music i don't think that's as necessary as maybe some, some other some other i guess uh genres of music but um i don't know i i just thought that this this album made me sort of get a bit more of an appreciation for what uh, I guess bands within this sphere were are trying to do because uh, right, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. I really got it a lot of the time. I, I thought I, I listened to a lot of albums like this and sort of was like, oh, this is quite nice, but I'm not really, I didn't, as I say, I didn't really get it. But I think, I think this went some of the way towards, I guess, giving me a bit more of an understanding of why uh, these kind of bands have the appeal that they do. And yeah, I, I think I just, uh, thought this was a really really solid release and one of my one of my favorites within this again again this sort of sphere of music uh, that i i hadn't really dug too deep into but before this this point nice that's really good all right in which case i think it might be a good time to move on to uh, yeah. the next one unless you've got anything else you want to wrap up with yeah no no i'm i'm perfectly happy to, to move on to the next record so um the uh, my first album I wanted to sort of bring for for this episode is the I guess new record by a band called Soul Glow. It's called Diaspora Problems, and uh, this is one that's been getting tons and tons of hype. Uh, it's uh, Soul Glow are a band that I definitely I definitely heard of before uh, before this came out, but I'd never listened to. I, I think they toured with like Touche Amore and and bands like that uh, sort of prior to this. Uh, so the vaguely a a band that I'd heard of, but um, sort of this came out. This is, I think, their label debut. I've seen some places describe this as their debut record, but it seems like, I don't know, 
they they have a question mark number of albums released <laughs> to this point uh and uh i mean the first thing i saw when when i saw this and i've been recommended it a bunch it's like oh this is like i don't know it sort of had that same hype behind it that i think the the turnstile record from last year had where it was sort of everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. within i guess punk and hardcore even adjacent stuff was like really getting behind it uh and i mean the first thing i saw was i was like i i was like okay i'll, I'll go check this out and then i see i see the track list and i'm like wait i thought this is a hardcore record why have we got features from uh Logie and mckinley dixon <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh that really piqued my interest i was like yo what uh and it sort of goes from there in towards really putting out a seriously unique and I would say really, really fleshed out vision of what hardcore could be. And mm. yeah, I absolutely love this thing. I thought it was so, so good. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know how you I, felt, but I was really impressed with this album. I completely agree. I was, uh, I was really, really impressed. This feels like maybe the most futuristic album on on the list today um it is doing some really interesting things uh i think the hardcore punk label is very deceiving um especially when you say listen to uh the closing song featuring um kino addiction and loji um spiritual level of gang shit uh the like the baseline on that song alone is just like mind blowing, absolutely amazing, uh, and it's very not hardcore punk, I guess. Um, so, I think this album does a really good job of switching between those different modes um, because there are songs on here that are very, very hardcore punk. They're very, very aggressive. They're very uh, uh, energetic. So, like. The opener, um, Gold Chain Punk, Who Gonna Beat My Ass, is just an amazing song. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, Jump, uh, Drippanomics, uh, John Jay as well, like later on. I think there are so many um, just really interesting tracks uh, throughout this. And they do an amazing job of like keeping keeping the energy up and keeping it interesting as you go through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just, a, just a really cool album. Yeah, um, oh. Uh, for sure. I mean, I, I think uh, Gold Chain Punk is a really great uh, track to mention because, I mean, that's the opening track of this album and it really, really sets out, like, what what you're going to get for this thing. Uh, like, they are really not fucking about... <laughs> the, I think the first thing I, I feel like most people would immediately sort of latch onto when hearing this thing is uh, the performance from the vocalist Piss Jordan uh th i think that track it was like it's like a i guess a vocal performance that almost reminded me of like sort of mike Patton in a way where he's going from really furious shrieking to completely rapid like rap rock delivery stuff and the instrumentals going between like kind of like that that feel-good hardcore of that turnstile record i mentioned earlier but then also just like ridiculous metalcore chugging uh, and it's a complete roller coaster of a scattershot of influences that work individually, but also kind of, I don't want to say like come together really well, because maybe they don't, but the, 
the utter conviction and intensity of how they're playing and performing just completely sells it beyond like any doubt of what you'd have of like oh would would this combination really work like i i, I don't know but sort of on paper that would maybe be how you're feeling but the fact that these guys just go for it uh really just um yeah just puts away any doubt of of what puts away any doubt you might have about the the sort of con uh, i guess like congruence of the the different styles that they're drawing from uh and just makes you be like okay yeah i'm 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 sold already i think yeah even within like i guess like 30 seconds of that track i was like i'm sold <laughs> um mm. yeah i don't know how you felt about that for but for me that was like uh i think having the opener be like such a statement track really I thought was such a big uh like boon to this record in the sense that um i don't know i feel like most people will listen to this record hear that opening track and just be like okay i'm i'm in for the ride now you know yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think you've got any choice after that. <laughs> um it's it's just captivating stuff and it's it feels like the uh, like absolute perfect choice um to, to open with uh to I mean, like, you might as well go hard at the start because that way you can scare off all the people who aren't going to be interested. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thought uh, to, to go, sort of go deeper into that, like, I guess, mentioning with, the I guess, the range of disparate styles that they're drawing from on here. I mean, even just in, like, small moments, you have, uh, like... Uh, the, on the track God, God Bless You All Real Good, you've got the, these sort of crushing 808s. You've got some like classic 90s dance samples on the intro of uh, Coming Correct is Cheaper. Uh, there's brass sections on some of these. Uh, the, the track Thumb Sucker almost feels like Scar Hardcore <laughs> in a way. Uh, <laughs> Fucked Up If True has like uh, a noise rock, like super heavy noise rock outro uh it's just everything is being flown front of the wall oh yeah and th there's like a um you mentioned track john jay and the mm -hmm. guitars on on that song was like almost like noise core uh, <laughs> adjacent in in the sense of just how like that sort of buzzsaw guitar tone that just really i guess just like slices open the mix i think uh yeah the the, the fact that they were were just so willing and so able to throw everything at the wall in that sense. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's not even to mention um, the track Drippinomics as well, which is basically just like a trap metal song uh, with <laughs> a, a really cool uh, feature from Mother Mary Rose. Uh, and uh, I think that track showed that it wasn't just like... Um, the fact that they were drawing from a lot of things, but also they seem to understand what the appeal of every sort of, I guess, genre and convention they were drawing from was. Like, uh, that track had a real, I guess, textural ab abrasiveness to it in the way you'd expect from, like, a backwash instrumental that I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of bands doing, like, I don't know, just doing, like, oh, we should do, like, a trap metal cut on this album wouldn't like wouldn't have the appreciation for what uh 
what would like sort of increase the appeal uh, of that and what why that music is appealing in, in the sense that it is i think uh sort of leaning into the, the slightly more industrial production showed that mm. they yeah they really had an appreciation for everything they, that they were doing and uh yeah it's it sort of really that combining with the fact that the whole thing is just so bonkers energy wise and so like fun in that sense just uh really solidified this thing is such a such just a, a captivating listen all the way through um yeah i don't know i don't know how you felt about that but like uh at least personally, I, I I felt like despite the fact that they were drawing through so many things, it f- still felt kind of cohesive, and it still felt like um, I every time I I started the record, I was like I, I really want to go through all of this. Like I I didn't uh, were, it it didn't feel like it l- l- sort of dragged at any point, you know. Despite the fact that it was uh, very, I guess there's a lot of um, I guess like sonic and stylistic diversity across across the track list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that yeah, the production plays a big part, part in that. Absolutely. Like, you know, you're you're bouncing between. I, I mean, the, just just the mixing of like the regular instruments is fantastic. But then um, when you bring in like in the intro of uh, of Drippinomics, there's like these uh, sort of synth sounds that are played, which I think um, just like fit so perfectly with like what that song is trying to achieve, like sonically. Um, and on top of that, I think production alongside the samples used are uh just fantastic like i think they, they fit so perfectly for what they're trying to do um particularly that I, lo- I love the sample at the start of Drippinomics. the um they want to persecute me because i get money responsibly um <laughs> yeah sample, beautiful yeah love it. Absolutely. it's so good um and i think like yeah i don't know it, it all culminates to this to this album that is thematically just so incredibly black and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I think it does such a good job of um, of conveying that experience. Yeah, to no. someone who could never possibly understand <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think I definitely uh, really, um, I really, I really felt that as well, especially in tracks like I mean, mentioned like Gold Chain Punk, which I thought I really enjoyed the sort of way they were. Uh, they were sort of conveying what they were trying to say on on that on that track with the sense that they're just like okay i'm gonna take up this space because i want to and who's gonna stop me uh and i, I mean it's really interesting when they're, when they're uh because i saw i think they did sort of a short interview thing in the guardian they're talking about like um uh sort of not really being accepted in either their own communities because they're into like punk music or whatever and that's like you know that's like white people music uh but also within like punk scenes they're not really seeing that representation uh for people like them and i I think uh with them sort of uh sort of being upfront about that we're gonna we're gonna make this space for ourselves and what are you gonna do about it is like such a Mm. really fantastic uh message and something that i felt really emphatically carries like uh a lot of a lot of the themes of, of this record across really well and i think um yeah I, I think there's some really uh really fantastic uh lyrics on this thing i think sometimes pretty hard to decipher because uh, uh pierce jordan's vocals are just so ridiculous like uh the, <laughs> I was, I was just the dude <laughs> is like 
his delivery is either just completely manic or so fast that you can barely tell what's going on. But again, it's the energy that, as I mentioned before, that so sells this record. I, I think uh, it's. I, I think um, one thing that that also I think really emphasized that to me was the fact that it. I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent go all the way through. I think it, there's a real respect no, no, for no. dynamics and structure, in the sense that mm. they, as I mentioned, like that that sort of noise rock style riffing section, or um, like they they sort of go into, I guess, less uh, intense sections throughout and less intense like vocal deliveries, for example. Uh, but it, it, the the sort of ebbing and flowing of that energy felt so natural to me in the way that like a perfectly structured like live set list would in the sense that um like you at a live show right you can't just uh you know the you can't really keep the crowd going 100 percent all the time so you've got to like you know you've got to space things out you've got to like really uh allow it to flow naturally so as like especially at like a like a puncture, right? Like obviously people are going to be going crazy, but you, you can't, you can't physically be like, you know, flying about spin kicking for like an entire set. You have to, you have to spread that out in a way that makes sense. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think the, um, this, uh, this record to me conveyed that live show energy and the way that it flowed to me, uh, absolutely perfectly. I think uh, this is the kind of record where you could play it live all the way through, like in track order, and it would work in that sense, right? Mm. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether that was intentional. Yeah, like, no. Uh, because I, 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 it's, it's funny, like the second I heard this, I instantly Googled like Soul Glow tour dates. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they are not playing. So at the time, I don't think they had announced anything, but I looked them up on Twitter about, 30 minutes ago and they just announced an american tour so um there are tour dates going they are they are starting to get around a little bit which is nice yeah um, i think they would be fucking unbelievable live. yeah no. uh so yeah definitely not one to miss uh, but not quite coming to the uk uh, <laughs> yeah no i i i want to give a shout out to check if people are interested about them live uh i would definitely recommend checking out the the hate five six uh live video they they recorded i think uh back in december i think i don't know uh mm. i thought that was awesome and really uh showed that they are able to bring that energy into a live setting but not that i would doubt that for a second after hearing this album uh and yeah i mean it's good to good to hear that they are actually touring because i mean with respect to the there being uh, a lot of issues sort of just before this album came out with the the uh, the guitarist leaving the band uh, after some like really gross allegations about them and them being like, yeah, right. fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, and with that, it's sort of reading in that Guardian interview of them being like, uh, we're not sure, even sure if we're going to be able to put out any more music. Uh, the fact, I don't know, I feel like, um, especially I think the huge reaction this album has gotten is like, there's no way that they wouldn't, uh, sort of find a way to be able to carry this momentum onwards because i think i mean to be honest even if this is the last thing they ever released i think it would have made enough of an impact 
uh, within, like, I guess the hardcore scene to really, even if it's not them themselves, but other people would, I feel like, would have picked up on what they're doing here and really sort of mm -hmm. tried to carry that forward. But, um, I mean, if they're continuing onwards after that, getting new guitarists, whatever, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's huge. Because I, I think this is one of those records where I hear it and I'm like, not only is this amazing and it's like something that I haven't quite heard before. I think the only, the only like band or artist I've heard doing anything even vaguely near this is probably horror. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is way, ex way better executed. But than I think that. this was, yeah, as I say, as you say, uh, a better execution of a similar, similar concept. Mm. Uh, I think, um, I think this is uh, a sound that I think, yeah, I feel like is. Um, I think it's a really developed vision for, I guess, their idea of the, what the future of hardcore could be. And I kind of want to live in that future because uh, this is so fun uh, and just so en energetic in a way that, uh, and, uh, energetic and eclectic in a way that I think um, few bands uh, within that sort of sphere of music have been able to catch anywhere near this in, in a very long time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just thought this record was so exciting, and I yeah, as you as you mentioned, I hope they play over here at some point because I would love to see these guys live. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think I've got much else to say. Yeah, no, uh, I think we've we've kind of complimented pretty much everything about it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm more than happy to sort of go on to onto the next release. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, well, in which case, the uh, the third album for this week is the new Material Girl release, I-85 Mix, 21 to 22. Um, Material Girl is uh, a member of the No Agreements Collective, who we have covered quite a bit. Um, and I was really into their 2020 release, Tangram. I thought that was amazing. So I was I was really excited to uh, to dig into this one. And uh, it did not disappoint. I found this to be um, a much more comprehensive and fully realized uh, album than Tangram. Um, uh, I really, really like the direction this one is going. I was really, really, uh, really, really excited to uh, to, to listen and re-listen because um, I, I got a huge amount out of this. But uh, I guess that, that there was sort of some expectation for me coming from Tangram, so. Um, yeah, how, how did you find this one? Yeah, so I mean, I, I really like Tangram as well. I don't think it was one that I went to back too much, but I remember um, getting a lot out of it, uh, sort of on release. Uh, so yeah, no, this was this is one that I was looking forward to. And it was something that I think it came through with, I guess, just a lot more than I was expecting. I mean, we were talking about the Solgo record about diversity of influences, and I think this is another record that really exemplifies that. Uh, I guess almost um, like uh, genreless, uh, like genre boundaryless sort of approach to music that a lot of artists uh, can take nowadays and, and choose to take nowadays. And I think um, this this was this was a record that I think um, definitely had some like I would say fairly significant flaws that I uh, that sort of. I guess maybe didn't appeal to me as much, uh, which I may be going to in a, in a bit. But I think uh, the 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 
the best moments of this thing and just the the flow of the record and uh just a, as a holistic sort of piece of work i thought was so impressive uh in how uh just how ambitious it was and how well it was pulled off especially on the instrumental side so i mean uh i guess sort of mentioning about uh sort of saying about this solo record and maybe uh, I guess the hardcore label being slightly, I guess, misleading in terms of the sort of breadth of, of stuff that you're going to be getting on that, that record. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, this being built as like an experimental hip hop record almost kind of solves it a little bit short to me. I think yeah, uh, yeah, to yeah. me, at least, I got the most out of this album sort of listening to it as and treating it as almost like a um, like a, as a jazz release. And I think... Um, so many of the the instrumentals leaned into that in a way that uh, I hadn't really heard before from a more, uh, I guess, a more hip-hop-fronted release, the, the way in which it sort of centered a lot of uh, really interesting and unique jazz sections that are... Yeah, again, I, I don't know about you, but that's something I really had not heard before and something I'd definitely not heard done before to this quality yeah yeah that, that's definitely true um the the whole genre thing on this is really is this is a particularly hard album to label because uh it is drawing on a lot of different styles and those styles are not necessarily related in any way um so you know like you said there are you could treat this as a jazz album or you could potentially treat it as a very experimental um hip hop album or you could see it more as a sound collage like i mean the, the first track like drops into a drum and bass segment yeah <laughs> right? like, um, which which by the way i i absolutely love that absolutely. that's like i i really really love that moment on that track um so yeah it's a very hard one to define and, and i think i think that's a, a good thing i think that it sort of it plays out to its strengths um, absolutely yeah because I mean, like, there's a, I, I can't remember which track it, it's on, but about halfway through, there's like a noise track, um, which I was really, I was really into. I, I really enjoyed that part of it as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff going on on here. Um, I think it's really interesting how it plays those different elements against each other over the runtime because I think th- this is the longest album that we. That we're speaking about right yeah by i think, think the, other, the others are all about 45 minutes yeah this is um, around this an hour 60 yeah yeah yeah. so um it's sort of the most susceptible to bloat then just yeah. inevitably by being a bit longer um and i think those different styles really alleviate the uh you know the potential sort of stagnation that could happen with an album like this that often plagues albums that, that sort of go go into this sort of run run length um, especially when the last track is like 14 minutes long and is also probably the best track on the album at the same time. Um, so yeah, I was really, really impressed by that. I guess if there was one issue I had, I would say that um, maybe the the vocal delivery on this was like not quite fully formed. I don't know how you felt about that. Yeah, so I mean, that was sort of what I was alluding to when I was mentioning about this being kind of flawed in the sense that I just, I thought that, I mean, obviously the instrumentals across this thing are really, really out there and it's so ambitious, but I I don't think that um, they quite have like 
perhaps the the skill or the I guess practice as an MC to match up to that ambition a lot of the time. It felt obviously, as I say, that I think a lot of a lot of rappers would find it difficult to to do stuff on these beats just because. I mean, it's like these tracks are going from, as you mentioned, like from like ballroom jazz to drum and bass to noise, uh, just all over the place. Uh, But it felt like um, some of the delivery was sort of like stumbling over words that sometimes and maybe Mm -hmm. not. I, I felt it it wasn't quite selling it one way or the other. I think the one of the one of the tracks where I I sort of got um, I sort of started to understand what they were trying to do was the track uh, I-85 mix acapella, which I think probably have one of the right. best verses on here. And also I think the it sort of revealed uh, they, they were trying, they seemed to be trying to do a more of like an Earl Sweatshirt type thing of this very yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. like, I guess, uh, sort of off kilter and almost like out of your mind type flow. And I thought it, it um... I think that was the the one track where that sort of influence really came through in a positive sense. But I think on some of the other tracks, uh, I don't think they were doing enough to quite sell that in the sense that I think um, uh, what what sells, you know, tr- uh, like uh, sort of all sweatshirts, more, more recent material, is that sort of very, very palpable, like... Uh, almost just like despair and apathy in uh just every facet of what he's doing from not just from the lyrics but also the delivery the flows the the fact that it it seems like he's just not giving a shit on a level of like complete just like almost self-sabotage and it almost felt like uh they needed to be doing a bit more to sell that kind of angle because i i felt yeah, it it just felt that um, it maybe went halfway towards that and then ended up coming off a bit amateurish uh, to me, and and I yeah, thought that yeah. was that was the one thing that really stopped this record from uh, coming across as like a really really fantastic album that I'm going to be going back to all the time, uh, and and just instead being like a really great album. I think. Um, uh, I mean, I saw some people saying that, oh, this would be better as an instrumental album. I don't think I agree with that. I think there is definitely room for uh, sort of uh, vocals and verses and rapping on this record, despite how yeah, eclectic I it is. I, I think that um, that was the right decision, but I think um, maybe there needed to be a bit more done, whether on the technical side. I think it, it kind of had to go one way or the other. I either had to lean into that really just despairing like uh completely out of it uh sort of l sweatshirt type vibe or it may or they maybe needed to focus a little bit more on sort of uh, a more technical approach to their delivery in in a way that would again sell it a bit more because i i just it just felt it just felt like in a in a halfway spot to me between um between those those two ideas and it, it felt like uh it was kind of to its detriment in that sense i think i think uh yeah if they went one way or the other uh, it, it really would have uh i think come across a lot better to me at least personally i, I don't know how you felt but uh i i just yeah that that's 
that is the one thing that kind of kept me from being being like completely obsessed with this thing because mm. I feel like that it's it's one of those ones where I, I almost don't want to talk about it too much because the instrumentals and the I guess ideas and how they work together and how the thing flows and just as a general form is so exceptional and so unique that it it, it almost feels a bit like I don't know I don't want to be focused on it focusing on that too much even though it's something that did maybe take me out of it quite a bit because I think there are so many interesting positives to this record that I think uh, they could really, really build on in, in the future that I almost don't want to be like, oh, but the, the vocals kind of suck though, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? Because like, I, to be fair, I think I actually enjoyed the vocals more than a lot of people. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's totally fair to say they are the weakest part of the album and definitely the if, if there's anything limiting this from being uh, an absolute like all-time classic uh yeah. in in this genre is is probably that um but I, I also think you're correct in saying that um it shouldn't be removed like don't 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 remove the 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 vocals um i think i think i think maybe that's what i'm most excited about this album is that like that stuff is inevitably going to get better yes as they uh are able to perform this content and you know hone their skills over the years and so I'm like incredibly excited for the next release um, because it's only like that's that, that's just going to improve of experience, right? Like they're they're a fairly new artist as far as I can see, um, so I don't necessarily blame them for not not having the uh, the vocals fully formed on my album too. <laughs> yeah, no, um, for sure. I, I although it is it is kind of surprising that the production is, you know. Yeah, well, well, that, that's the thing. It's like. Um... I think how many that that's sort of my uh sort of appreciation of it as well as like uh I think you gotta think how many like I guess artists and MCs can pull together uh sort of a a flow that's a bit more, I guess, uh um that sells it a bit more than this. Like so many. It's it, like in terms of like that, it's not it doesn't seem as if it would be anywhere as near as difficult to improve that side. Whereas how many producers can come through and make an album of this scope and this vision as their second record uh, to this quality? Because I mean, the the actual, like, it's not just the fact that the ideas are really cool, but the actual quality of the production is so high on top of that as well. I think uh, just the way that they're able to switch between really disparate styles and still have each of them sound immaculately produced in really different ways uh, just is kind of mind-boggling to me. I think there are so few artists that could uh, even think about making a record like this, never mind pulling it off in that way in terms of the instrumentals, that like, even if the vocals get like slightly better as they go on, like, you know, th they already have a, like, I guess, an artistic toolbox that, basically so few other artists have that like yeah they there isn't actually that much more that needs to be done to really mm. put them in the territory of thinking like okay this is an artist that could actually come through with like an all-time classic record because i think uh you you mentioned that and i don't think it's hyperbole to say that actually this is actually fairly close to that in and of itself but i think just yeah the, yeah, yeah it is the vocals that are really holding it back in that sense 
Uh, so yeah, I, I think um, I think that's a great point to make because, as you say, that is something that is. I mean, I think as will I will sort of also mention in in the uh, in the next record we're, we're going to be talking about. I think it's very clear how uh, I guess, mm-hmm. especially within like hip hop, vocal delivery and like yeah, just mic presence, uh, just. Uh, it, it just improves in quality with the just the amount of time you spend doing it right it's it's very much a yeah, practice definitely. makes perfect type situation and i think um there's an artist that i am now super super excited for to see if they can make that jump towards being maybe a more rounded vocalist and mc and still keeping keeping up the ambition and scale of their projects uh if they've are able to find a voice that matches that I think they'd be like basically unstoppable, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think um, I'm really excited to uh, see the level of collaboration from the No Agreements crew on this. Yes. Because uh, there's a huge amount of collaborators on this album in terms of like so so the uh, the mastering uh, and mixing is done by an artist called Phonebox, um, who released an album this year under the name Kinotaki. Uh, called Human Noise, which I, I really, really liked. I thought the album was uh, pretty underrated um, as a house album. Uh, PB did the executive production, who I'm not familiar with, but uh, the other executive producer was City Light Mosaic, who I think we put in our albums of the year list. I think I put uh, uh, the album Restless Ego in my underrated album of the year list. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, massive, massive fan of that. And then there's, like, there's a random... Um, uh, no agreements artist just all over this like Marama who we talked about I think last episode um, has some vocals on this um, Bliss 33 uh, I think we've talked about before uh, PK Shellboy is definitely like um, featured on a couple of albums that we've talked about so there's definitely like it's nice to see the collective not necessarily just treating it as a commercial way to support each other but like as a creative way as well um I absolutely love it. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's definitely like noticeably contributing to uh, to how an album like this ends up sounding, because um, it definitely sounds like. Well, I mean, it's an album with a lot of influences. You know, that's that's sort of one of the main things I've liked about it is how it actually like combines all of those. Yeah, and I I mean, in terms of like the the scale and the scope of I guess live instrumentation and. Uh... I guess, um, yeah, just uh, the amount of collaborators on this thing. I think this is the kind of record that um, in the past would be like really expensive to make, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, in yeah. sort of, uh, within sort of this n- no agreements, I guess, like collective, the fact that they're able to use that to facilitate greater levels of collaboration, I think just uh, kind of elevates all of the artists at once in a way that I... I I think yeah, and there's a I, there's a huge reason why this is uh, this is like a label and a collective we end up talking about a lot because um, they they seem to be uh, sort of creating a really fantastic creative environment for artists to go and do their thing and make records like this that are just so off the mm-hmm. wall and so like nothing you you've heard outside of that and I mean. Uh, that also applies to, I guess, yeah, the the Murama record we talked about uh, last episode, when sort of I think to me uh, a lot of the selling point was that that was again a sound that I'd never really heard done before in that way, 
so the fact that they're, they're able to create that environment where they, they feel, especially as like young artists, uh, that they're able to go out and do stuff that people aren't really doing and do it with a level of quality and confidence uh, that you wouldn't expect uh, from, I guess, uh, from younger underground artists is uh, just, uh, it's really exciting. I think it's really, really exciting. Uh, and Yeah, I completely agree with um, that. Yeah, I, I just, I'm loving to, to just keep up with, with whatever this group are doing because I think, uh, I think there's, again, like with a lot of the, I guess, online uh, labels and collectives and stuff we talk about a lot on here, I think there's a lot of really special things going on sort of uh, within that, that, that kind of thing. And I think uh, No Grim is, definitely falls within that for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, were we happy to sort of move on to the final record we wanted to mention for this episode? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm, I feel feel a little bit bad. I feel like we've we've slagged off the uh, the, the vocals too much on this, um, but that's okay. I I, I, I like <laughs> this is probably going to end up being one of my favorite albums of the year yeah. just because of how much I like the uh, the production on it. So. Uh, uh, I feel like it's important to uh, to, to make that clear. Yeah, like, no, for sure. No, this is a really, really amazing album. It's just it's like the fact that there's something so glaring glaringly, <laughs> uh, maybe not glaringly, but just like in terms of the fact that the quality of the record in every other aspect is so high that it's almost hard to talk about that when you have something that is maybe slightly amateurish in comparison, but like... Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a hugely like fantastic record, uh, and yeah, so I think that's a good point. Maybe just make make that sort of clear that we both really really like this record. Uh, I, I, I feel comf- comfortable with that disclaimer now. Like that, that's okay. We can, we can move on. Awesome. <laughs> so um, the last record uh, we wanted to talk about for this episode is uh, the new, I guess, the fourth mixtape from the artist William Crooks. It's called Running As Fast As I Can. And uh, William Crooks is, I don't know, it's a, it's a six mixtape, sorry. Uh, William Crooks is a, like, I guess, underground rapper and producer who has put out some really interesting material over the last few years. I very much enjoyed his sort of debut actual records uh, from, called Thunderbird from 2020. I think that had some production from Kai Whiston on it. Uh, which was awesome. I think some of the, the the tracks on that album really stood out to me, uh, and I really like the the Walk It Off single he released recently, which ended up being on this record. And um, this was a, I guess, like again, like a surprise drop for Bandcamp Day. And uh, yeah, I mean, William Crooks, he's, he's an artist that I think has I've seen get tons of cosigns from a, a, a lot of artists. Uh, like I believe at least uh, some names I can think of, like. Fraxim and Umru have spoken about uh, them having uh, them having been influenced by him sort of uh, earlier on in their, their careers and uh, it, it's always felt to me like um, the scene's kind of taken off around him and not really given him the respect he's kind of deserved in that sense and I hope this is this is a mix that gets the kind of attention that goes some way to correcting that because I think it's by far the best thing he's released I thought this was absolutely amazing um yeah i had not heard of william crooks whatsoever actually i take it back i can't remember what i said was the most 
was the most surprising album of the week. Uh, this is this is actually the most surprising album of the week for me. Uh, I I was like obsessed with this album this week. Um, I don't know, there's something about how it all just gelled together. Uh, like I, I I just I just looked this up on Last FM. I listened to this album twelve times last week apparently. So I got like I just got completely obsessed. I was like jamming out to this at work, having a great time. Um, yeah, it's so much fun. Uh, I think it just blends all those elements so well. Like the vocal deliveries um, and flows throughout this are amazing. Um, they're, they're, they're consistently amazing. And then sometimes they're like, just like out of this world. Yeah. Um, I think the production is so much fun. Uh, it's like, especially like when he's like, do that thing with the clipping and then you get like, like tons of like noise um, being played. I, I really, really love that. It just, it feels like an album and an artist that is not taking themselves uh, seriously whatsoever. And it pays off like just consistently like every time. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I, I absolutely love this. This was really, yeah, really great. No, I mean, that's, I feel like, I, so, I mean, uh, we mentioned, I guess in the intro that um, there were so many great sort of records this week. And I think for what I wanted to pick for the episode, well, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to pick the two records I had the most fun listening to. And that was definitely this and the the Sorgo album for sure. Uh, yeah, er everything about what uh, William Crooks is doing on this record is so fun to me. I think uh, the um, it's not just his uh, very, I guess, very commanding and just ridiculous delivery, but the I mean the the production is really really interesting because I mean obviously. Uh, He's he does a lot of producing work himself, uh, and produces a few tracks on this thing. But there, there are quite a sort of there are quite a few other producers who have worked on this. But I, I think uh, there was a real understanding from all of them about where uh, where he was going with this record and what he wanted it to sound like. Because uh, regardless of who was working on whatever instrumental, it was just consistently the most hardest most hard most distorted insane stuff mm. you, you could you could come up with and it, it just felt so more cohesive than i was expecting from a mixtape with like uh, a large cast of producers in in that sense because um it definitely felt like I don't, I don't know whether that's the case but it definitely felt like he had a lot of i guess general influence in terms of the sort of executive production of the record and uh what what he wanted everything to sound like, even if he wasn't personally producing everything. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we, we met, I mentioned about the instrumentals in this thing. They are absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think, uh, I mean, straight away, you have the, the sort of intro track, Loses Pace, where you, it's sort of, um, it's, it's good, but it's not, like, super remarkable until you have this ridiculously distorted 808 hit and you're like right okay this is <laughs> this is uh this is what we're in for and yeah i i, I feel like uh, pretty much straight away from the the first like ma major track uh walk, walk it off which is the i guess the single was released a while ago uh which is produced by thuck is just amazing i think it's really noisy really menacing and uh, mm -hmm. I sort of alluded to this when we were talking about the Material Girl album before this, but I think um, the his growth as an MC and his like 
just the growth in his delivery uh, has really, really paid off in, the, in this record because this album, especially just from right off the bat, it's the most commanding I've ever heard him just uh, as a vocalist. Uh, I think the the fact that he's so willing across this record to alter and modulate his voice in really bizarre ways, but also he has yeah. the on-mic ability to switch up flows that I haven't really heard before from his music, uh, creates uh, sort of a delivery and I guess like an on my persona that matches how chaotic the instrumentals are and they feel like it feels like he's really playing off of uh all of the beats in, in a way that it felt like there was uh a really almost like uh really great chemistry almost between him and the instrumentals and what energy they were bringing because it felt like they were both as energetic creative and just bizarre as each other in so many different ways that it just felt so cohesive in that in that kind of way i don't know how you felt about that but for, for me personally um just almost everything about this record just worked for me in, in that way yeah 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 um i think the as you were saying i think the uh the really like captivating vocals are a big part of this um i think it's really interesting how he was able to use the vocals as a tool yes. in so many different ways. So like, even like bringing other, other collaborators on. So like Drive It Like You Stole It, I think, I think it's that. Yes. Uh, it has some really cool back and forth moments yeah. with the vocals, uh, which I love. Like, I thought that was fantastic. It keeps it like, you know, like, it's like in, in, instantly engaging um, the way the two voices go together. And then, uh, my favorite track on the album is uh, Shake It Like a Freestyle. Um, which uh, completely switches up how the vocals are used. So, like, rather than being, it's like a lot more aggressive. And then, like, you go into something like 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 the songs that follow that. It like it's just like morphing constantly through. And and sort of the production is like the production is uh, is having a big influence on the effect it has to the listener. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, as you were saying, the uh, the production, like just generally, uh, uh, for, for the whole for the whole track list, is just fucking amazing. Like, it's so good. Um, it never gets boring. I think I like maybe front loaded. I think I front loaded the first few songs just because I, I I was really enjoying like the first run of the songs particularly. So I think I probably listened to those more, which is why they're more fresh in my mind. Um, but I know that I can listen to this thing front to back and be very very happy with it like every time like it's, it's just it's it's almost too good like yeah. i don't understand how yeah. how he how he made yeah this. no for sure i mean <laughs> uh and you mentioned about uh maybe feeling a bit front-loaded i definitely felt like the first time i heard this uh i felt um the i guess the opening half uh of, of tracks stood out to me a little bit more but i think as i listened to this more and more i i really got I, I really started to actually get sort of enjoy the the ending run more above anything else basically I think um I think especially when you you get up to like uh, shake a leg freestyle like the first four tracks you're like how is he gonna keep this going for like 40 minutes um uh, in 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 the sense that it's so distorted and off the wall and hard hitting uh but I think the way it manages to to pull off uh, uh, that sort of feat of keeping this keeping this going for a forty minute runtime, it's just to 
get it it just keeps getting more and more bizarre as it goes on <laughs> the uh the production choices on the back end get even stranger and clipped all over the place and really just um and just like entertaining in a way i think uh the track that really stood out to me in that sense is the track cap which is just mm -hmm. um absolutely ridiculous that is one of the funniest tracks of the year for me uh uh just the the chorus of that go, i mean go listen to that song i i i could not stop laughing uh i i as I, I, I thought that song was absolutely hilarious um <laughs> yeah and, and that's that's another great example of like the back and forth that's yes. being used a little bit later later for us um yeah yeah you're totally right that sounds hilarious yeah no for sure and i, I think what also i mean we're talking a lot about the production but i think um what also really impressed me about the instrumentals in this thing is the fact that um, past the really obvious bombastic nature of them, they had a real level of uh, complexity and like interesting sonic stuff going on past just like crazy distortion, extreme clipping. Like uh, there were there were tracks like Still Life, which had almost like a like an Orange Milk Records type vibe. And they, it, I, that really added to the replayability to me because um, the the instrumentals have had a depth that they almost didn't need to have, right? Um, uh, a a record that this um, reminded me a lot of, uh, not I guess stylistically, but in terms of the, I guess, uh, I guess almost like emotional approach and like uh, ideas of how to make music like this remind me a lot of Rainbow Ridge Three by uh, Cemetery. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think what this record had that that record didn't was that it had that that real it had these almost like really interesting uh, like uh, really nice sounding like sonic almost like nuggets that you could really dig into and go back to on re-listen. Uh, that I think uh, what I'm trying to say is that. Uh, they he could have really used the abrasive production of this record as a crutch in the sense that oh this is just so crazy that it, do it doesn't really matter how good it sounds but like there's so much there's so much in every beat on, on this record past that that again that I think a lesser artist wouldn't have even bothered with because it'd be like okay this is this isn't actually like the idea of what what I'm going for it's not actually necessary uh, but yeah, I think there was so much attention to detail on that front. The fact that it was so noisy and out there while still having almost like really fantastic production in a more conventional sense at the same time was just was kind of mind blowing to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I felt about that, but I mean, I do almost want to like steer the conversation back onto like his vocals because I feel like we've been talking about the production basically the whole time. And I think so much of what sells this album to me is how just how ridiculous his vocal delivery and his bars are on this thing it just <laughs> it really it it really just like um as i say kind of like this song record just really sold it to me immediately mm. um i i had i like i had some some bars written down of like <laughs> can't even write a bite bitch that's why i'm tripe weapon and how you kissing strangers <laughs> unvaccinated with your dirty ass label money and yeah. still flopped you must be hurt and bad 
I just the the way he was able to write such funny bars and sell them in such an over the top and ridiculous delivery uh just it was just so captivating to me and as i say i think that was maybe some of what i felt was missing on some of his previous records of uh i always felt like he was able to write some funny and interesting bars but i didn't think he had that he quite had both the conviction in his delivery and maybe the technical ability on Mike to be able to pull that off on the extent that he did on this record. But I think he's had a real growth in his ability in that sense. Uh, and it's come off beautifully on this album, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I fully agree with that. Uh, the writing on this is great, although I don't necessarily have a point of reference because this is my first... Uh, Willie Crooks uh, mixtape. Um, I, I just—it's hard to imagine the others could like like this. This, this feel, felt like a peak to me. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. uh, yeah. Just, just, uh, just incredible writing throughout. Um, I was a big fan of the use of uh, "I'm Doing Hot Girl Shit." Yes. And um, uh, just uh, yeah, just, like just ran, random thing. Not not necessarily even like punchlines to the joke. When he, um, I think it's like. Uh, is it either track three or track four? We talked about like pew 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 pew. Like, I'm in a church now. I really like that. Um, like I just just the the drive it like a stoller because I fucking yeah. Did. Like that's just beautiful. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible stuff all over the place. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think um, I think not just that, but also I guess the the persona that he's inhabiting, I I really enjoyed mm-hmm. in the sense that um, it, it was it almost seemed like a, a I guess like a like post struggle rap type deal where he's like he's just a guy on his fucking grind but he's broke as shit but he's still doing shit on the levels like he's not and that that's his flex right that he's making crazy shit with no fucking money like the amount of the (laughs) amount of buzz on this thing about like i have to pay for this or like i'm you know yeah yeah. it's just 240 dollars last month excuse me if i exactly (laughs) it's just like you know uh it um it reminded me of um uh that i mean you mentioned like drive it like you stole it. it again kind of feels like a reference to like injury reserve and it reminded me yeah, a lot of the was... uh, the Injury Reserve track, um, All This mm-hmm. Money, in in kind of the uh, in in kind of what he was doing in that sense of of like you know just like I- I'm kind of broke but I'm still flex shit you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually I, I love that. I saw kind of I, I felt like I saw parallels between um, some of the earlier Injury Reserve mixtapes throughout this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Especially in the way the way that the delivery was done in particular. Um, if you've not heard this artist before, but you have heard Injury Reserve and you like definitely not not the last Injury Reserve album, but like the earliest. Album yeah, if you, um, if Floss you're a fan maybe. of Floss, check this out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has that same bombastic quality to it, but also has some of the more bizarre production stuff of um, of the last Injury Reserve album. So I think it almost feels like a like a. Um, like a like a missing link between those two records in a way and i mean that, that is actually <laughs> just right i did actually have this written down as like I, I wasn't sure how to describe how this this stylistically and it felt like at times like the missing link between jpeg mafia 
TJX6 mm. and like Fraxium. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean to, to mention JP Mafia, I mean uh, what I think about with how fun this record was and how uh, just off the wall it is, it it had me it sort of gave me a reaction that I I get very rarely with 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 records and only with records that I think really stick with me in the sense that I hear it and I'm like oh yeah you're allowed to make shit like this you know what I mean mm. like just because this isn't how people usually do like music like this doesn't mean that you can't just like you can't do it like that you know what I mean and that's the same yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. same kind of feel I got first time I listened to Veteran uh, by JP Mafia first time I listened to Rainbow Bridge 3 by Cemetery first time I listened to A Thousand Gex um, <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, true uh, I think a lot of people um, when I when I speak to my friends about it being into experimental music I think sometimes they imagine it as just being like like weird for the sake of weird or like like weirdo art projects that no one would actually like it's just like it's a thought experiment um, as opposed to like something that is pushing boundaries um, which is generally war more, more what I yeah. mean not, and, not, uh, not that there's anything example of an album like not that. there's anything wrong with that <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I love that as well. But like, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, it, yeah, the, the, these kind of albums that I would describe as experimental just get shoehorned into, like, music for weirdos. And yeah, it's just not no, true, I, like, exactly. Like, I don't know. Uh, kind of like, uh, I guess, like, Gex or, like, Fraxium. There are, there are a lot of tracks on here that you could just, like... Um, you could, you could like, throw on in, like, a party or a club setting and it would kind of go off, right? I think the, the track that I've been listening to the most individually is, uh, is, is Problem. Because the the like, I don't want to play nice. I want to cause problems. That that uh, that hook has just been in my head basically since I heard this. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's a like a huge hard hitting track that I feel like could also work in that sort of setting. And I think uh, yeah, when you're sort of labeling it as like experimental music, um, that's yeah maybe not what you would like what wouldn't come across in in that sort of description right the, the fact that you would have something like that that would be able to be adapted to that kind of setting and like go off in that way um yeah no i think uh yeah i i i mean just to kind of sum up i think th this is uh this feels like a real culmination of what uh he's been working towards for ages i mean i think i've been i've been a fan of his for like a few years now but i think this is just really uh, this is the first time I think he's really hit the nail on the head with a project and just completely sold it in a way uh, that has just created something that I really adore front to back. Uh, yeah, it's just so creative. Mm -hmm. It's so funny and it's so cohesive. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, and I mean, yeah, I just want to see this do numbers, to be honest, because he deserves it. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah. It's, um, I really hope this goes far. I guess by talking about it, we're, we're trying to do our bit. So yeah, uh, no, um, I yeah, Willie Crooks needs to be needs to be on his JPEG Mafia bag. I swear, like <laughs> you know, I, like as as I say, I, I listening to this, I felt very similar to how I felt when I first saw Veteran, uh, and I mm. I think uh, that um, that energy, I don't know that that that's something that I feel like. Uh, when when I feel that is it's sort of like okay this is something that I should really be like going out of my way to be like okay you gotta listen to this because it in the sense that it feels new and fresh but also like something that is kind of widely applicable and that people would enjoy 
even if it's outside of the kind of stuff they'd normally listen to just because it's so fun i think this isn't just an album for like yeah like experimental hip-hop heads who are listening to records like the material girl album we we're talking about before yeah, this yeah. i think uh that although it is also fantastic is like maybe one that is for like the heads you know whereas this one i feel like yeah. i could recommend this to to friends who aren't usually into this kind of thing and but maybe into like some sort of like maybe hyper pop adjacent stuff that's maybe slightly out there and they would get like a ton out of this you know yeah i'd, I'd say if you heard the gex album and your reaction was wow this is fucking amazing like this this is I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fight someone to the then uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think I think I think this is the album for you like this this feels genuinely I don't think I've been as obsessed for like a week with an album like this since since Gex um, yeah I just I just got so into this this week so I think that says at least something yeah for sure um yeah that I mean that's all I really had to say which was quite a lot but um yeah I just thought this was <laughs> I was just so impressed with this album that uh yeah i had a bunch to say um yeah uh so i mean do we want to i mean it's kind of weird right because we were sort of a week behind so a lot of the albums we sort of talking about sort of coming out in the future have already come out but are there any albums you wanted to sort of spotlight that um in sort of that thing or did you have anything else to say about her about the, no the no no i'm i'm very i can i could probably go on about how much i like it for another 20 yeah. minutes so i think well it's probably yeah best not probably to. best to cut out um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a couple of big albums um uh that are coming out uh, and i say big because i've already listened to yep. them i know that i like them so um uh yeah i mean the the big big album is the the new billy woods yes. album um ethiopus uh which is a collaboration with preservation preservation yes that's the one yeah so preservation did all the production for this um and billy woods uh bars over the top um not not to give anything away but i think there's a pretty high chance we'll be talking about this one yeah uh, <laughs> no, I, and then... I i think that's pretty much a lot <laughs> to be honest yeah uh, and then um there's a couple others i i really enjoyed uh there's a new daniel rossen album called you belong there um daniel rossen is one of the members of grizzly bear and this is i think it's his first um solo album uh the singles for this were getting people really really excited and now it's come out and people are still really excited so uh this one will probably be doing some numbers um there is a new album by uh the band serum who are a slovenian avant folk uh group um they released three albums in 2016 17 and 19 that i think are i think they're they're all just like essential free folk albums um this, this is a bit of a, a lesser known lesser known one, but I highly, highly recommend checking out that stuff. I think this new one is really good. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking about it. And I mean, th there's there's a couple of other albums that um, I thought were pretty, pretty exciting. Um, K Tempest has a new album out. Uh, Father John Misty has a new album out, although I didn't necessarily enjoy the last one as much. And Young Lean has a new album out called Stardust nice yeah so i mean for me yeah same here it's the billy woods album is like yeah that that's that's the big one for me uh huge huge fan uh, of his work uh there's a couple more i mean th so i'm not sure when the this is officially out or when we'll end up talking about it uh but um there is a new culprit album sort of being done uh sort of similarly to his his last record via like a crowdfund thing to 
to sort of give him access to doing more interesting like session stuff and whatever uh it's, i think it's i can't i think it's called like greek for number four or whatever uh but yeah this mm -hmm. is like a follow-up to call uh deliverance from i think it was 2016 uh which um at least for me personally is maybe my favorite album of all time so uh the it's it's got big shoes and i got big shoes to fill uh i have i've heard it a couple times uh, and I thought it was really cool, and I'm very excited to talk about this sort of when it becomes more publicly available, uh, outside of like people who've supported the like crowdfund campaign. Uh, and the other ones I wanted to mention is there's a I haven't heard it yet, but there's a sort of a new health record, uh, Disco Four Part Two, uh, following up the uh, like sort of previous collaboration record they did. Uh, and there are some awesome names on this thing. And also the uh, Nine Inch Nails collaboration, Isn't Anyone, is one of my absolute favorite songs like of the last few years. I think it's amazing. Uh, so that's on this thing. So I'm excited to dig into that. And the last thing is there's a new sort of tape EP thing from More Ease on Orange Mott Records, which uh, I think is out on Friday, but I, I got a tape uh, for it when I went to see her play with Seth Graham at Cafe Otto, which was really awesome. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. So yeah, uh, that's one to look out for on Friday. Awesome. Sounds good. In which case, I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Awesome. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, then drop us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at modular underscore IO. Or you can find details of the albums on our website at www.modular.io. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. Cheers.